0: Welcome back to episode 115 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. We've got James Krieger back to talk to us. We're going to go over some financial literacy for personal trainers and talk about day trading. So James is involved in day trading and some of the dangers there too and not thinking it's as easy as it looks. We also get into an experiment he conducted with his client, Eric Lee Salazar, who won an IFBB Pro Card because they used a weighted vest. and had him walk around in it, so I'll tell you more. And then just some ideas about some stoic philosophy and how it applies to uh, your fitness career.
1: Shut up and sit down.
0: Uh, hey everyone. All right. Today we're back with one of our longtime favorite guests. It's not his first appearance by any stretch. Uh, James Krieger. Uh, we, uh, you know what, my brain isn't even firing. I think I need more coffee. Uh, but if you're already, if you're already familiar with James Wilshit, I mean, there's no introduction necessary. If you aren't, he's an author, presenter, researcher, coach, uh, and the man behind weightology.net, which is a, his research review um, and a forum to share a lot of the latest and best evidence-based training so uh welcome back james
1: yeah thanks for having me guys
0: i
2: guess to the, the start off what have you been up to lately i know i know we kind of like breezed over it before the show but like what, what are the big things you've been working on or done since i guess i don't know it must have been like a year ago
1: yeah I, oh and lots of stuff i um uh did a major facelift to my research review, just uh, completely revamped the, the way, it, the look and feel of it and, and everything. Uh, um, so that was pretty uh, pretty intense uh, project uh, for me to do. Um, uh, you know, and I got some more improvements uh, planned for the future, but, uh, and then um, working on some stuff, a uh, secret project with Chad Landers. We'll, we'll learn more about that uh, okay. later, uh, early next year. We Hopefully we'll have it out early next year sometime. Um, and then uh, I've, you know, been, got back into my day trading a while back and, you know, that's been going pretty well and uh, still managing two kids and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, uh, I've had to, um, I get up at four in the morning now on weekdays because it's the only way I can get work done, you know. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, um, uh, So now sleeping in for me, like I'll sleep in on weekends, and that's like getting up at six. That's like sleeping in for me now. So
2: So you're not living like the Leo Wolf of Wall Street life.
1: No. Oh, okay.
2: That's what I picture it as. Like, obviously, like, you have kids and stuff, but, like, it would be so much cooler. Like, oh, we party all night. We make all this money. I have this research review. But it's not what's happening. (laughs) <laughs> you're just a normal dude with like a lot of stuff on the go we, we yeah. only do that a couple of nights a year at the Inland Empire Fitness yeah, Club yeah, right? yeah. that's, that's the only time that really works Where you guys are taking ludes and crawling out to your Lamborghinis Is
0: that what's <laughs> happening there? <laughs> there's no ludes. definitely no Lamborghinis well they don't so. make ludes anymore apparently I,
2: I, not, that I, not that I wanted to do ludes, but like it was after that movie I went and like researched like what the fuck are Quail- lewds? Quaaludes and like they like are off the market and like they're really <laughs> expensive I guess I don't even know. It just, well, I just something that shows up in movies from the Well, they 70s. made it look super cool in the movie. Like, like, I know drugs in movies, they make them look super cool, but I was like, this one looked pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, let's, let's, what do we got? What do we got for
0: James Day? I know it's going to be about research and shit, but like... Well, this, some of this stuff, this, this stoic philosophy stuff keeps popping up in some of our recent episodes. Uh, you know, we definitely talked a lot about it with uh, Jill Coleman. We just had her on... Um, It seeps into some of the Jordan Syed and Sohili episodes that we've had recently. And I love this stuff. So you actually recently shared an epictetus quote. uh, Quote, most of what passes legitimate entertainment is inferior or foolish and only caters to or exploits people's weaknesses. So avoid being one of the mob who indulge in such pastimes. Uh, Your life is too short and you have more important things to do. Uh, so I wanna ask how you felt this applied to both people who were trying to help and um, to how it applies to, in our own industry.
1: yeah, it really, it just makes me think of the fitness industry, especially Facebook and everything like that. I mean, I just I, I, I see the um, all the time people spend getting into arguments on Facebook and you know, just. Uh, and on Instagram and everything, and, and, um, and arguing about sometimes just honestly st- stupid stuff, <laughs> like, uh, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, a keto diet works for somebody, and then they just want to push it on everybody, and they start jumping in on Facebook posts, and, you know, telling everybody, telling everybody why, every, why everyone else is wrong, and, and everything, and, um, and then you just the amount of time. I mean, you'll see just. I mean, sometimes just massive threads of just people going back and forth, and you know, it's the vast majority of it's just a waste of time, really, just for everybody involved. I mean, even the people just kind of lurking, unless there's a lot of educational stuff going on, like you know, talks about studies and things like that. I mean, even the people, even if you're you're lurking in it on it for entertainment, like I don't know. I'd rather just go watch a movie or something. You know, I mean, um,
2: it was perfect timing because we literally just. Got, it feels like we talk about this all the time, but we we have the podcast and we'll have talks before and after, and Andrew will stay over if we have two. And like we literally just had this conversation, as literally me just ranting, but it's this idea of like there are these arguments, and I don't want to say like you have to be qualified to have an opinion on this stuff, but it's like people who don't even have the knowledge to even argue, like, real studies on this shit are the ones who are the loudest. Yes. It's just really weird because that doesn't help anyone. No. And then You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, why is everyone mad about this? You don't even know anything about the vegan diet. Like, you just learned about it in this documentary, and then you're like, it's wrong. But you couldn't even have an intellectual conversation with someone who could argue with you. So it's just it's, – it's a unique situation that's just rampant.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you get a lot of um, uh – um. Uh, you know, the internet is a great place, but also I think the internet contributes to that problem because people can they'll just Google something, or they'll just you know, or 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 you'll see some Netflix documentary, and then you think you know everything about that topic because you just watch this or whatever. I mean, I mean, you see it with, with when it comes to vaccinations and stuff. I mean, you have people they they you know they watch some ridiculous documentary called Vaxed or something like that, and then then they think they know what's you know you know about vaccinations and all this stuff and and like it's just it's like Dunning-Kruger just you know uh, exponentially compounded you know I mean <laughs> it, it's like it
2: happens like it, it and I, I don't know maybe it's just like I think it's always been like this it's just it's in forums and now it's in Facebook but you have a lot of these quote-unquote experts But then you have experts doing it in a way which it's productive or not productive. There's both ends of the spectrum, but someone like Lane we were talking about goes on and talks about it. But like if Lane were to get into a discussion with someone who was like pro-vegan and like a PhD in that shit, they would have a fucking battle, but stuff would get hammered out. And so it's a fair battle, but then on Facebook it ends up being like this. Resources and experts are coming from everywhere, and there's quote-unquote gurus, and it's just like the stuff that ends up coming out of that is not helpful
1: well yeah and and the thing is it's like the other interesting thing is when you think about it especially the Facebook ones reality is not many people are reading through that whole thing probably like an audience of maybe 20 people reading through that whole debate and it's like it's not like it's not like you're benefiting this huge audience you know by by getting into that you know I mean um you know, there was a time where I thought, where, I, you know, internet debate for me was beneficial, but, but yeah. that was a time before Facebook and everything. You know, I was a member of of these different email lists and stuff like that that were heavily moderated, um, and they were full of different experts. Like, I was on, you know, Mel Sif's old Super Training Digest, you know, back in, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, and, you know, Brad Schoenfeld was on that list, and and Joey Antonio, and the... Uh, Um, I think Brett Contreras was on that list. So, so, um, but the thing about that, and and we would debate about things, but it was all moderated. So, so it was very, it had, it was very positive, right? It
0: was was like Lyle got in there
2: and started blowing people up.
1: Well, (laughs) well, yeah, that's that's the thing.
2: (laughs) Everyone from that time though, you're talking about like they have this coming up of sorts into like where this like idea of like the professionals are at this level kind of came up through the ranks. But this process that's happening now, isn't that like, these people yeah, are, totally and I say these people, but like they're not going anywhere with it. And like, that's a problem because they're not reinventing what was done in those forums and those email lists. Now right. it's just, it's, it's done. There's no growth from these things.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. It's a, it's a totally different ballgame. And it's why you almost never see me get involved in Facebook debates or anything anymore because it's just not, it's not a positive use of my time. You
0: know. I think it's it's several things. I think it's a form of procrastination. I think it's it's dopamine fueled yeah. procrastination. And it can often feel like, especially if we're fighting the good fight, it can feel like we're we're doing something productive and helpful. Yeah. It it instead does several things. One is uh it drives uh like anxiety, like you just get amped up about the next uh Response or whatever the person has said, especially if the person is, you know, being really combative. So that's a massive distraction. You cannot focus on whatever you really should be working on. This has been a major theme through several of our recent episodes, uh, including the one we just did with Jill, is creating versus consuming, right? And ultimately, getting involved in these arguments is both a form of consumption and a fake way of creating. So there's that. Um, It's just a good way for people to feel like. I know what you're going to yeah. say. They're doing something so, productive, but or not. Well, this is what I was going to say. We've talked
2: about it in a few podcasts before. It's just like that this idea of if you argue or like do something that's with this quick dopamine hit or you like something, you post something super simple, you've now created this thing. And we're even thinking about this idea of you advancing your career. The thought of thinking about it and doing this like actually accomplishes the same thing in your brain. And these same things happen with these arguments. Is like They think that they just took a step in their career. or like these processes you're talking on the bodybuilding.com days or the forums and all these – it actually kind
0: of was yeah and you, it's well, not anymore a lot of people yeah. established their reputations in the bodybuilding forums a lot of the stuff before Facebook really was a thing uh, you know I think I, I know Lane Norton is someone who's done that uh, yeah. know people have their whatever with with Alan Aragon but you know Alan developed a huge reputation he came off that right exactly doing that's exactly Christian right Thibodeau, step. same thing yeah a lot of these people who are long-standing established people in our world and I think it worked back then I don't think it I I think this is your point. I'm parroting your point. I don't think it works on Facebook.
1: Yeah, I don't think it works. I, in general, I just don't think it works at all anymore. I just think the internet's totally, it's just a different place now. Yeah. It's just very, very different now than when it was back then. Um, so, Um
0: And we're also talking about discussions that are within our scope primarily, although every once in a while a fitness professional will <clears throat> go on to, you know vaccinations, and I, I tend to stay away from that stuff simply because that's outside the of the scope of the things it. I want to help. And games, and <laughs> as a qualified researcher, you know you're a lot closer. Like someone like Spencer Adolski can dab, can certainly, as a doctor, he can get into that stuff. But you get a lot of fit pros fighting these battles, and oftentimes are posting memes and this and that. And I don't think this accomplishes much. And then you get those those arguments over things that aren't related to what we're doing. Now I tend to find that if people relentlessly argue about well. Uh, for me, my pet peeve is like social issues or, or politics on social media. If you're relentlessly having those kind of arguments or posting very polarizing things, I tend to categorize someone as an activist instead of a fitness professional, and I no longer use them as someone I will follow for fitness information. Does that make sense?
1: Well, yeah, and that, I, I, I totally agree with you, and that's why that's another reason I you almost never see me get involved in political debates or anything on Facebook. And what's funny is the few times where I've even commented on something, um, I always end up regretting it, you know, just something like well-reasoned or something like that. I just, it's too easy to get caught up in it. And so like, you know, um, I just, uh, um, yeah, it's not, and the other thing is, you know, I'm not going to post about that stuff. One, well, there's two reasons. Number one, people aren't following. Fa- People don't care about what my political opinions are. They don't. That's not why they're following me, you know. Um, uh, so so why should I post about that stuff? And then the second thing is, if I do post about that stuff, I could potentially alienate, you know, a bunch of my a bunch of my customer base. And there's just no there's no reason for me to do that. Like it's there's nothing really I would say positive that that'll come out of that. So let me
2: ask you this: I don't. We... Andrew's made that point a lot but the, here's one thought I had is like a lot of these internet like let's say you comment on something and it's like reasonable someone comes on and I've seen this like multiple times the reason why I bring it up is because someone will come on and they're like I want research on this and I want you to explain your point of view all this stuff and it ends up becoming like they're getting a free education from you and that's a waste of your fucking time and I'm just yeah. like I'm just surprised like what are your thoughts of someone who like is an authority in some of these things and someone like trying to pull stuff out of you like is that worth it
1: in the long run I, I don't think so. I mean, um it's just you're you're spending too much time on just one person and yeah. you know um um They're not even a paying and, 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 customer. And, 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 what was that? They're not even
0: a paying customer. Let's get pissed so, off. Nick Tumanello has made this point repeatedly. Yeah. We won't engage in these kinds of things because you know if you, he'll he'll have private discussion with people, but he would rather devote that energy to people who are his clientele, his real supporters, versus Teaching people, this is almost exactly word for what he said. Teaching people that the way to get information from him, engagement, is to argue with him on his social media.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with Nick on that. In fact, it, it, you know, I'll, I remember Nick just mentioned that to me, you know, a long time ago, and and it kind of made me, you know, definitely think about it more and stuff about, you know, you know, if I'm ever thinking about engaging someone. You know but think very carefully you know is this is this how i want to spend my time um and what type of message is this sending to people who you know are paying me for my time and 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 that type of thing so so yeah so
2: andrew doesn't like well whatever but like with <laughs> joel joel seedman joel seedman has a way of putting. but like when you take a polarizing stance generally people are like fucking prove it and do all this stuff but joel seedman will do it have super polarizing stuff but he won't engage either. He'll be like, oh, he, he's always referring – it's like his defense is the article that he wrote or the book. And it's interesting because I've never seen him really debate anyone online. He funnels yeah. it to his shit, well, which is
0: kind of – I, I don't dislike Joel. In fact, no, I, I know, I've know. Like, never really chatted with him much. Uh, I mean, maybe two guests. We'll We've had guests who like – Well, about. yeah, we had a few guests who are like, um, I disagree fundamentally with some of the research he's been using – to justify, you know, not squatting deep, and actually, Sam Spinelli did a video that I unearthed that pretty much just savages, uh, you know, the the research that he is using to justify this stuff. But again, I, it's not part of who I am to take our fitness professionals out there and and tear them down or uh, go go at them in a negative way. But yeah, ultimately, if he wants to debate that sort of thing, you, well, he doesn't get well me- served with someone like Sam. Or someone else who's an ex- expert, has PhD level or expert level understanding of uh, exercise physiology. I mean, James, you could debate him on he that. He just doesn't stuff. do a free lecture for everyone. Or a Mike Isertel, right? So yeah. that stuff would probably have a lot of value. But you know, me and some other you know, strength coach who don't have that level of education, arguing about it on social media probably isn't that productive. No.
2: I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting to have your thoughts because, like, I see – I have this, like, avatar of this person in my mind who, like, James posts something about fucking meat or whatever, and someone's like, I don't agree with that. I want you to prove this, da 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 And, like, that's, like, the thing that just bugs me the most is, like, leave these people alone or go learn it yourself. Yeah, yeah. He's it, yeah. not his role to educate you unless you yeah. pay him.
1: Well, it's funny because my wife has pointed this out to me too at times – Um you know, even with let's say celebrities and stuff, you know, celebrities will point will post something, you know, on social media, right? And then everyone starts, you know, trying to argue with the celebrity, but you notice the celebrity never responds. Yeah. Like they never actually get involved. They just let everyone argue amongst themselves, you know. And um and sometimes that's just the best way to do it. Let, let everyone else argue. you know, you just post Post your thing and then just let everyone else go at it. It's right. almost like, a popularity, right. th- it's almost like right. a
2: popularity thing. It's like, and this is not to say you're not popular or any of our guests, but it's like once you kind of get that threshold where like, it snowballs, you don't have to be engaged anymore. But like, when it's like that medium, you, you can um, still, yeah. you know what I mean? You're still building. It's like, fuck, it's a hard place to be because you don't want to like give away all of it, or, And you don't even want to engage because it's never really helpful. Yeah. But then people expect it when you're at a certain level. So it's interesting because celebrities never do. They literally don't post on it. Yeah. <laughs> See yeah. you later. <laughs> um, okay, sweet. That's our normal bitch fest we usually have. But let's talk about some other shit you're doing. So, you and your client Eric salazar did an experiment, and this is kind of cool because this has been kind of talked about a lot. But within wearing a weighted vest, the weighted vest thing, through yeah. the progression of his contest prep, which resulted in IFBB Pro card. Yeah, could you break down that experience? Because I think a lot of people have kind of heard about it, but they haven't heard it from the source. In the sense, like what's going on here.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was I got to say it's one of the coolest things I think uh, you know, um that that I've ever kind of I think gotten involved with like just uh um and it was actually it was his idea. He came to me about it. Like Really? Yeah, he came to me. He's like I got this I he, he left me a message. He's, he's like uh, he, like a Facebook message. He just goes, "Okay, I I got this crazy you're going to think I'm nuts. You're going to think I'm crazy, but but you just got to hear me out. Hear me out." Like, you know, and uh and so, you know, I talked to him about it and, and I thought, wow, I thought, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's try it. Let's see what, what happens. And and so yeah, so what happened is um, you know, he started his prep, you know, and he started at like I think around 164 pounds or something like that. Um and what basically what he did is as he lost weight, he added external weight to him to, to so his total external body weight was approximately the same. Um and he did that by wearing like I think he he started, I want to say, with like an eight-pound weighted vest. I don't remember the exact details. I'd have to go back and look. But um, And so as he continued to lose weight, he would add more external weight onto himself. Um, and he actually started to push his external weight to where it was actually even beyond what his initial body weight was. So um, uh, so he got to the point where his total weight that he was carrying around was probably around 180 or something like that. But um, So he did this during his whole prep, um, he'd wear the weighted apparel pretty much almost all day, like basically like 90% of his day. Um, and, um, uh, you know, but otherwise just went through normal prep procedures, like, um, nothing extreme. Like, you know, he was doing about 10,000 steps a day, um, just doing his normal weight training. We didn't do like really any cardio. We didn't do, um, any interval training or anything like that. Um, it was mainly just a lot of walking and, and care and using the weighted vest. And the amazing thing was, I mean, he got just absolutely ripped, um, for the contest, but I would say the most amazing thing about it was the way he felt during the prep. So typically anyone who's gone through prep knows that you feel like shit, like, you know, especially when you get really, really lean, like it just, it gets really hard um know, you get you you know you can have problems with binges and temptations to binge and everything like that um and the interesting thing about eric's situation is he almost had none of that through almost all of his prep like he said it was the easiest prep he's ever had which is absolutely amazing
0: um he's a pretty lean guy walked around naturally anyway was that sort of a factor in it too because you know the more weight you have to lose obviously the harder it is i have a uh, a well, former client now she's with me for years and she's done her second fitness competition. The first one I was a part of, uh, this time around, you know, she's working with a specialized coach now that because I don't really do that stuff. And this woman, basically, I think you could water cut her any given time all year round and she could get up on stage and do well. And she crushed, uh, she died a little bit, but she walks around this like people look at her and like you could use her as an anatomical model for muscle because you know, they just a lot, lot of fat on her, which is an anomaly but there's really not any issue with sort of feeling sluggish or low energy or or neat down regulation. So do you think that plays in a little bit or?
1: Well, I don't think so because Eric's done preps before. So I'm comparing his experience with this prep versus past preps. And in past preps, he's had problems with binges, you know, feeling like shit, everything like that. And so, but this prep, he just, he didn't get that. Now, I would say the last few weeks um he did start to get a little bit of of the symptoms still not as bad as it had been in the past and that's just a symptom of low body fat i don't care what you're doing when when you when your body fat gets that low eventually you're going to get some some issues but overall um it was like he didn't have a single binge his entire prep which it which had never happened before and then coming out of the coming out of the prep once he was done um again in the past he had problems with you know because a lot of bodybuilders would do this they're they're done with their diet and they just go on just massive binges and like just go crazy um which is something he had done in the past too and and he didn't do it this time and he didn't even feel the need to and so it was kind of interesting um i actually ended up doing a a little thing for my research review because i wanted to look into i was like what's going on here because i mean obviously there's an energy expenditure component to it like because as you lose weight. Um, you expend less energy because you just have less mass to carry around. Um, so by 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 using the weighted apparel, um, you keep that daily energy expenditure more elevated. But I was like, but there's got to be more to it than that. It can't just be that because, because even his appetite regulation seemed to be better than it had been in the past. And so I did more digging. And what's interesting is there's uh, um, some really cool rodent research out there I would love to see this replicated in humans, but um, suggesting that there is something that you might call a gravitostat in your body or in the bones specifically, that's sense loading, and actually give feedback regulation to your brain uh, okay. as far as appetite regulation. So what they did with these rodents is they just took these rodents and they implanted weights in their abdomen um, so that their total external body weight was heavier than normal. And what they found is the rodents just spontaneously lost body fat when they did that. Hmm. Um, and they actually returned, so their their, their total weight, including the external weight, was back to what their original body weight had been before they implanted the, the weights in them. Um, and so then the researchers did other experiments to kind of figure out what was going on. And what was interesting is um, it didn't seem to be related to energy expenditure because they did energy expenditure measurements on the rodents. Um, it seemed to be related to their appetite regulation. The rodents just started eating less when they implanted the weights in the rodents. They started to eat less, and so um, then they did some other things to try to figure out, well, you know, what's going on. And, and basically, they came to the conclusion that that there's something in the osteocytes, which are your bone cells, that sense load, and they actually give feedback signals to your brain in ter- terms of appetite. So, um, so what happens is is um, you know, let's say I just naturally lose weight since I have less body weight to carry around. My bones sense that and send feedback signals to my brain saying, Hey, we're losing weight. We need to gain it back. Let's get hungry and start to eat more. Which and ties it, in. Sure yeah. I, need-
0: I was going to say it ties into all these other things uh, that physiologically happen when we lose weight that the, the body's defense mechanisms against starvation, uh hungry brain, Stefan DNA's book, details yeah. this shit incredibly well. So,
1: yeah and so so what what seems to happen is by wearing that weighted apparel it seems you basically trick your bones into thinking that you still have the same amount you're still carrying the same amount of mass and so you don't get that feedback regulation to your brain that you're you know that you're going to be hungry and i and i honestly think that was a big played a big role in why eric was um more successful this time around than he had been in the past and why he didn't have Quite the negative symptoms that you typically would get. Um, would I, there I be any benefit?
2: Was, would there be any benefit for like, I guess, muscle building? Because I don't. Give
1: well, a that, shit. that's another possibility. I do think that I think it'd be very small, but I think at least for the lower body, um, because you know, because you're standing and moving around. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you have less mass to carry around, I would think that your legs might start to. You don't have that loading on the legs, so so I think from a hypertrophy standpoint, you would probably better able to maintain leg mass during dieting simply yeah. because your, yeah. your road is, is staying more constant. So Yeah, and the one thing I would
2: sense is like, I'm just thinking weight gaining wise, is like you'd have to essentially eat more food because you wouldn't be
1: hungry. Well, and that, so that's another thing. So so with this whole prep, um, the vast majority of the prep, you know, we, we initially dropped his calories to something like 2100 or 2300 or something. Yeah. And he actually stayed at that calorie intake for most of the prep. Like, like usually what happens during prep is as you lose weight, you have to keep dropping your calorie intake, right, mm-hmm. to continue to lose, you know, to, because otherwise you, you just reach an equilibrium and you you plateau. Yeah. Like, he never really re- – for a long time, he never really reached that equilibrium. Like, we just – as he lost fat, he would just add more mass to himself instead. Yeah. And And he just kept his calorie intake – that's the other thing about this prep. It was the highest calorie intake he had ever used for a prep. Did,
2: did he have more energy? The re- the reason why I ask is, did he have more – I want to say more energy. So, like, if you're losing weight, you're obviously eating less, and then your workouts end up sucking. But theoretically, the balance would be he'd have more weight, so he'd need more calories. But did that really affect his workouts? Like, I, I think it,
1: so. I think so. I, I think his, his workout performance, which he had told me, was, like, much better than it had been in the past. Yeah, because it
2: wouldn't scale, like, because it's a different feedback system. It's not the actual – um, I guess it's not an actually energy thing. It's not a total energy thing because a lot of it's just tricking the bones. So it's interesting to think like you could eat higher calories, obviously, but could those calories fuel better workouts, which would then have a better product at the end?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I yeah. think there's some, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of factors acting at the same time on this. Um, it's just that weird that it's the really- bones
2: thing is one that's not usually talked right. about because maybe, again, that would be a backdoor mechanic, but like it's not even really a hack. Like it's kind of it's just using the physiology that we well, and that's I mean we don't even know like that's kind of I hope you're going to do more research.
1: Yeah, well, I I would love to see um, like I said, I'd love to see some human experiments on something like that, but uh, it's yeah, it's it's really interesting concept nonetheless. So I'm thinking like
2: for like endurance sports because like they they need to push carbs to hit the nos, but could they maybe wear a weight vest to then keep their calories higher? Um. And then they could push it further without gaining weight. Cause a lot of those weight restricted sports and endurance, you want to be the least amount of weight with the most amount of muscle, but could you do that without gaining weight by eating more carbs? Cause you have the best on. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you could, I think some sports where that does require you to, to, you know, hit a certain body weight. Yeah. I think it, I think it could be even, even in power lifters and stuff, I yeah. think it could be a useful tool. Um, you know, so
2: that'd be interesting it's just it's just cool because like i mean the one thing i think i just thought of a cyclist because i'm like i wonder if they're doing shit like that like once they saw your study because they always do stuff before mm-hmm. it's out because they just they don't want it to be out because they want to win so it'd be interesting to see if they're doing like backdoor russians shit mm-hmm. where they try to be that, that. <laughs> usually the backdoor
0: russian shit involves a different well yeah like yeah but <laughs> like could the weights and like they'll do anything like, turn around like, I saw Eric now posted that he's going to try a different experiment. Uh, I wonder if that was actually serious or not. I didn't follow up on it, but the idea of him walking around in basically high heels. yeah <laughs> Is that a real thing? What's going on there? So. Uh,
1: that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that was his idea.
0: <laughs> so. I feel like his, he would snap his Achilles at some point. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I understand what he's up to. He's probably trying to like blow his calves up because I mean, he's got – Crazy arms, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) have you has any of this stuff been crowdsourced
2: at all? Like, now that they've seen it, have you been getting like results from people be like, Hey, we tried this, and like you did this? Because you could almost crowdsource the research to some degree with people like
1: it's funny because I haven't gotten a lot of people asking me. I think Eric has probably gotten more inquiries and comments about it from people versus me. Um, um, I've I was kind of surprised. I thought that I would get a lot more questions from people about it and stuff, and just you know, um it seems like it's still kind of the whole thing is, I want to say, it's been still kind of under the radar for some reason. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it would kind of, you know, explode a little bit more than what it, what it had. You know, um, I guess the
2: people are cheap. It's like it's, the weight vests are. I, I seriously like it's it's they're expensive.
1: Yeah, and 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 there's obviously a. a you know, practical limitation to using it because yeah, for you were. to really work I mean you gotta you gotta wear it pretty much all day and some people are probably in situations where they can't do that yeah. um, you know um, and then even if you could wear it all day if you're in a situation where you're sitting at a desk all day it's you're probably not going to get the same benefit because you're not don't have the load bearing because you're sitting down you know yeah. so you know the thing about Eric is you know, he owns his gym. He's, he's standing up a lot of his day. He's standing up and moving around. So if you're in that type of situation, then I think it can benefit you. But um, I just uh, do it drink also, it, and, and the thing is, too, it's a very narrow scope of who I think it would benefit. Basically, bodybuilders, physique competitors, or athletes prepping for some contest where they have to lose the weight temporarily. Um, but for general population who want to lose the weight and keep it off, it's not really going to work because you have to keep wearing the weighted apparel indefinitely if you want to continue to, you know, get the benefits out of it. So
2: I just wish more, like like you said, it's kind of interesting because I get excited when I, like, when I first heard it. I'm like, that's crazy. But, like, yeah. I wish, like, it was more exciting
0: that everyone just tried it. Like, oh, I tried
2: it for this. I tried it for this. And, like, now all I mean, these
0: ideas can explode. It may just end up being too novel to have any far-reaching implications. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's still it's it's cool to understand if this is in fact you know the bone osteocytes is the driving mechanism behind it and its effect on on your ability to well. I, could... I think Olympic wrestling calories. Who knows where? I think Olympic
2: wrestling because like they now they can't cut they have to be within a certain weight. The you know, contest to contest them day to day, but they could keep the calories higher, which would essentially hopefully negate some of the performance decreases from them eating less.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm part, you know, one thing I think that might help is I'm probably, you know, I wrote a big piece for it in my research review, but I think I'm eventually at some point gonna make that piece freely available for everyone to see so it'll get shared a lot. And so so that might help it, you know, kind of grow. Um uh, you know, because cause it'll probably get shared a lot and people will probably start talking about it. You need more. some
2: method to it, it needs to have some like catchy name like keto. It needs to, and like you just have oh, a bunch yeah. of models wearing like really vests and make them look tough, like because that's basically how CrossFit sold the goddamn things. <laughs> <laughs> you should get it. In, you, that's so you you get CrossFit in on it because they already yeah. have the vest. They sell the vest, and now they can actually sell it beyond the stupid uses of them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> two box jumps for reps with a weighted vest on. Yeah, it. Well, nothing, now nothing could possibly go wrong there. Uh, you know what we should do? Actually, ask them about uh, the uh, financials Questions, so. you, you want to do that? You want to do that? Yeah, totally okay.
2: okay. So we wanted to touch on this just because you've been active on your social media, kind of you've been back in the trading and like yeah. probably people may or may not know what that is. So we kind of educate them on that. But essentially for some fitness professionals, every pursuit relates to fitness, obviously, but you're active in investing and trading and you can correct me if I'm wrong afterwards. Would you tell us a little bit about this and then some thoughts on financial literacy for fitness professionals who are, I don't want to say terrible at it, but there's a large yeah. population that could be better.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say, you know, there was a period of time actually uh, actually around 2013, 2014, I was actually a full-time day trader. So I basically would just buy and sell stocks to make money. And that was my source of income. Like I, I, I did that full-time and I was actually really successful. I was actually, there's a website called Profitly um, where traders can basically upload their trades and I was in the top 20 traders on that site. Like I was doing really well. But the problem is at the time I became a little bit of a victim of my own success. Like I was doing so well that I started to take on more and more risk rather than rather than sticking with what was good for me. I started taking on more and more risk. I started trying to compete with some of the other traders to make more money than them, you know, um which eventually led me to blowing up my whole account, you know. So so I I took time off for a long time you know the good thing about that is that's what stimulated me to get weightology going again and all that stuff Um, and during that time I basically did what you call paper trading which is just fake trading you know I'm not trading with real money I just was doing it to um, work on my strategies and my skills and stuff while I worked on weightology and then finally uh, you know kind of late last year um, I started to trade again with small amounts of money and um, and now, you know, I'm basically, I mean, you could, I, I'm not doing it, you know, weightology is my business and that's my main source of income, but I am trading now essentially at the same time, um, because I can do that. Like, you know, I'll be working on weightology stuff while I'm just kind of watching trades and stuff. But, uh, um, yeah. And so I've been really successful this year. I'm up, you know, 200 and like 30% on the year or something like that. Uh, so yeah um so I'm doing doing really well there and uh, um yeah it's it's actually a big passion of mine I think it just plays into you know some people who know me know I love statistics and things like that and it just kind of for me it 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 plays into that interest I have in probabilities and like trying to you you know I don't know um trying to find ways to use probabilities to your advantage you know like
2: that is practicing your your interest too it's kind of kill two birds with one stone
1: yeah yeah so yeah so I'm doing well on that and um um but you know you were talking about you know to transition that into more financial literacy thing um you know Chad Landers is a guy who's really interested in that stuff too and so we're we're working on on you know I can't give a lot of details of what we're working on but it's it's going to be something for trainers because like you guys said a lot of trainers just are really financially illiterate, and you know when it comes to retirement planning and like even just managing debt and like all that stuff. Um, Chad and I are working on something that's going to help people out with that stuff. So, uh, um, but, but that'll probably be early next year.
0: Uh, it's, it's exciting, obviously. We'll find it more at that time. Uh, I, I've got a bachelor of commerce degree, so I've got a little bit more of a financial background. <clears throat> so I grew up kind of with with more literacy about that. So I, I'm very careful with it, but. I think a lot of trainers struggle. Uh, do you have any basic strategies or basic things that you would say to trainers at this point that wouldn't necessarily reveal anything from the project, just to help them get on the right road, you know, like um, like saving or avoiding excessive spending strategies or tax oh, planning? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's a lot. There's a lot of just simple stuff out there. I mean, um, um, I mean, I, I would say um, one thing is is to basically evaluate um the amount of interest you're paying on things versus the amount of interest you can make on something or something like that so so for example um you know let's say you um you have a home and you have a mortgage on that house um but you also have some credit card debt um while it feels good to try to pay down your mortgage it's make much better financial sense to pay down your credit card debt first because you're paying more in the long run because your interest rate is gonna be a lot higher on that credit card debt. So, I mean, it's just really simple things like that, that, you know, it's... Um, Why do you think they
2: miss that? So like, again, I was in a different career, but like I grew up in a family, like my dad was a banker, but like I've been good at money, like I have stuff. But what, why does that get missed? Is it the education system? Is it just the idea that fitness is just like, they don't need to learn that shit? Like, it's just, it's a weird conundrum. You know, I don't, I don't, they, they, I don't
1: you know. know. It's, it's really hard. <clears throat> it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, I mean, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know why it gets missed, um, you know. Uh, it seems
2: like in like bar industries, like stuff for like, they, they're not looked at as real careers. You know what I mean? It's like almost like they approach it like it's not a real career and then they don't plan as such well I, and
1: i think maybe part of it too relates to the fact that most trainers are self employed right yeah. and so when you're self employed you know it's a lot different from working for a company that gives you retirement benefits and kind of just does everything for you in a sense yeah that's um, true. you know when you're self employed you got to do all that and and you're and the thing is as a trainer you're just worried about trying to get more clients and you know yeah and and it's hard to do all this other stuff on the side that you got to do um, um or, or to even educate yourself on that stuff. So um because
2: I would say it comes in this like like late gratification thing is like you know like if you kind of do the, the hard thing over and over again, it'll pay off later, which is kind of everyone wants the quick fix, but it's almost like they're not even at that point where they understand that delayed gratification. It just like does it it's just right over their heads like, well, we don't even do that. Like we're just worried about, like you said,
0: marketing, so, getting more clients to paying several, the bills. There's several broader elements mm-hmm. I think are probably at play. First of all, we're making an assumption here that this is an exclusive problem of personal yeah, trainers. think we are not, I you think, know, we're a podcast, I think uh, on a societal level, a generation, I mean, people make memes and talk about how, you know, growing up, you're not taught these things in school. And I think there's a certain amount of truth in that. So you've got a, a broader swath of people who don't necessarily have these basic financial competencies. So there's your first issue. Uh, and then, I mean people will have different theories about this stuff, but the economics of being you know someone in their twenties or thirties or you know, the iGen, the millennial is very different from what you know people argue about the boomer generation uh, i 'm in between in that stuff, but I grew up in a slightly different time than what you know your average twenty five year old is dealing with today. the economic realities of the cost of living in a major city, the cost of homes. Uh, the, the fact that, you know, wages haven't scaled with some of these other things yeah. based on the economics of supply and demand. And people can complain about various aspects of it or argue about why these things are. But you still have to have a basic understanding of the economics of it, right? If you have a greater demand of people wanting to live but in these it's just urban like, centers. It's like what he's fucking saying, though. like,
2: like it, the, It's simple fucking math. Like, you're, <laughs> like with the mortgage, the credit card. Like that's a normal thing. Like even with savings accounts or investing you can imagine mutual funds that's better and that you don't have to do anything it's better than paying well, money like,
1: and that's the thing some people don't even understand how powerful co- the compounding can be like yeah. you know, um they don't realize that you know you see some percent return on something and you think oh that doesn't sound like much but compounded over time which is why it's so important for young trainers because they have the time to compound things right versus someone who's in their 40s or something um, that compounding is actually really powerful, you know, um, and, and and again, it's easy to demonstrate mathematically, um, but a lot of people just don't really realize the power of some of that stuff. So well, It's people like you
2: who, like, tell them they get 200% of the it's so, like, it's so, like, awesome to see, but, like, even Bitcoin, so, like, Bitcoin, fuck, again, uh, and wheat stocks. These things were kind of present as like outliers in like a certain time frame, and it's like people are getting their education from dumb shit that's like hasn't stood the test of
1: time. Which uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, oh my god, the whole Bitcoin shit. Like, you know, it's <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. It's like it's like um, <laughs> there's there's a there's kind of a, a, a saying. Basically, when 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 everybody and his mom is talking about something, that's the time to either get out of it and not yeah. get into it. Right? You know. Because there was a time on Facebook, suddenly everybody was talking about Bitcoin, Like, right? And I was yeah. like, okay. I was like, the crash is coming because if everyone is suddenly now an expert on Bitcoin and everyone's talking about it and everyone's saying to buy it, I mean, it's just like the housing crash in like 2007 or, yeah. you know, or so, or 2008, like suddenly everybody and his mom were buying houses, flipping houses, everybody was doing it. And that's just the definition of a bubble. Like that's just not a sustainable thing, you know, and, and, uh. Um, so yeah, but you get people getting their education or, or, or it, without even realizing that, that some people with some of that stuff, is just pure luck. You know, they just got lucky and now so, all of a sudden they think they're, they're good with this stuff when they're, when they're not. We, weed
2: stocks was huge in Canada. I don't know how it was in the States with you buying into our stuff, but like, again, everyone and their mom was a weed stock expert. And like some people made money obviously, cause like, it, but they didn't get out in time and then everyone, it's like, yeah, not, like foresee that? Like.
1: Well, what's funny is I, I made some money shorting some of those weed stocks because (laughs) I could see it like, like it was just the the hype on it was just unreal. Like, like these stocks were going up, you know, a hundred, 200% within days to weeks. Like it was just, you know, um, and that's just, that's not normal stock behavior. Um, and you know, um, but that's, you know, people were all jumping into it because you know, um, that's, that's, I mean it's, the same thing happened with tech stocks in the 90s right in the dot com bubble like everyone just started buying dot com companies without any, without any knowledge of what they were buying it was just like hey it's an internet stock I'll buy it right and like you know and that type of stuff is just well,
2: I want to try to see if there's like a way to tie this to fitness but it's like it's, it's kind of the same concept with a lot of the shit that comes out now like even like the new stuff, the new diets, like all this stuff is a pattern. Like, I know, I know you think in patterns and like stuff, but like, it's almost cyclical in nature. It's like all it the is. people who've been around for a while know, they know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. 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 It's just like, it's kind of a, just like in markets, you get those boom and bust cycles, you know, that are basically, you know, these bubbles and then they crash and then you get another bubble and something else. Um, I, I, it is kind of weird. I think you do see something similar in the fitness industry. Um, I mean, really, it's just more fat, it's like one fad to the next, like, suddenly, you know, there'll be a period of two or three years where, you know, everybody's doing functional movement screening, or whatever, right, you know, and then that kind of wears off, and then next, it's, you know, um, oh, now, everybody's deadlifting, everybody's got a deadlift, right, you know, or like, deadlifting's bad, CrossFit
0: was a, CrossFit's probably the best example of it. Oh, yeah, CrossFit's
1: yeah. the best example, yeah.
0: blew so. the fuck up, and now you're seeing a lot of these box gyms, the CrossFit boxes, closing, and there's sort of a... I mean, it's still a popular, powerful thing, but it's certainly not at the height of its bubble it once was. Yeah, yeah. And I think even they're starting to realize, wait a minute, we have to pivot, because we've been making some serious mistakes along the way to refine their craft, and that's like any ideology. You know, if it's going to be successful in the long run, it sort of has to go under underneath... the go through a, let's say a, a revision of its ideas. I mean, not to get into religion, but you can look at kind of the history of Christianity and how bad it was, and sort of, has, it's got its flaws, but it's sort of chilled out a little bit. And uh, That's just going down a rabbit hole. I don't want to go near. Uh, there was one thing actually I thought was pretty important to touch on too, because you're talking about success with uh, stock trading. It's probably really important to remind people that just because somebody has some individual success, you can create the illusion that it's easy. The best analogy I've got is uh, poker. And if anybody remembers when uh, it was kind of in Canada blew up because there was a hockey strike in the early 2000s and then Chris Moneymaker bought an online thing through Poker Stars and all of a sudden wrote all the way to winning the the World Series of Poker. So there was this massive flood of players into it because they're like, oh, this is easy. Anyone can do it. And ultimately what happens is a shit ton of people lost a shit ton of money over the years because poker... it's easy to watch on television because you have all this information. You see everybody's cards. You like, oh, I would have done this. Would have done this. Sit down at a poker plant, at a poker table. Try it for yourself, and do not succumb to the idea that it's easy. Throw a lot of money at it, and I'm sure there's probably people you interact with who think day trading is easy. You just said yourself, you kind of got if I'm if I might say like sort of a little overconfident with something, yeah. and then you know you had a blow up. So I think that would be a very risky way for a fitness professional. To decide, hey, this is going to be my my financial future planning is, is to roll it and bet on the stock market, right?
1: Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like um, uh, the thing about trading is someone I heard someone make a, a perfect uh, comment about what trading is. He said, he said it's the hardest easiest way to make money. <laughs> Basically, it's it's easy way to make money in the sense that all you're doing is you're pushing some buttons on your mouse and you know. And just let, and, and then you just see your account change. You see the numbers change. You're like, wow, you know, um, that, you know, that was easy. But it's actually, I mean, for me, trading is, is probably the, the hardest thing I've ever done because um, it's easy to look at, let's say, a stock charter say, and say, oh, I would have bought there and I would have sold there or whatever. You know, the problem is you have the benefit of the hindsight of, of seeing what already happens. Now, put yourself in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to make those same decisions? And the vast majority of the time, no. And then, um, um, and the other thing is, you know, when you're dealing with money, there's a lot of emotion involved. Um, And you have to learn, and this can take a trader years, and it took me years, to emotionally detach yourself from the money, Um, you know, um, and... And also managing your risk, like like now, my risk management is so good. Like um, I have, you know, in in the past year, I haven't disobeyed a single stop loss. Every trade, I, I, I haven't gotten gotten in. I, I haven't gone in too big. Every trade, I have risked the same amount of money, so I never risk too much. Um, so if a trade goes wrong, I, I'm going to be okay. I'm you know. Um, capital prever- preservation is one of the most important things as a trader, and that's where a lot of traders fail. Um, you know anyone who thinks trading is going to be easy just to give you the stats 90% of traders lose money and um, most quit after about three months and um, maybe only I mean, another five percent probably just break even um, and then maybe five out of every hundred actually are able to be somewhat consistently profitable, and just being consistently profitable doesn't mean you're making millions, right? You know, it's, uh, um, it's not, an it, it's, it's seriously not easy at all. It requires hundreds and hundreds of hours of studying and work. Like, yeah, pushing the buttons and everything is easy. That's the easy part. And that's what that's what other people see. That's what they see you doing. What they don't see is they don't see the Hundreds of hours I put in into putting together various spreadsheets, analyzing my strategies, back testing strategies um you know um you, you know um journaling and documenting my trades and then figuring out it you know um if a trade you know trying to figure out if, if a trading strategy is working and if it's not, why is it not working? Maybe it's just a bad strategy or do I need to tweak it um that's actually where all the work comes in. And that's literally hundreds of hours of work to do that. And well, so- and those
2: percentages aren't that great anyways. Like even just with risk adverse nature of things, everyone thinks it's easy. 5% is not that many. And no. like the reason why there's like, like I have a buddy that's like a CFA, like and works very high level in one of the banks of Canada. It's like people will ask a question, is like, fuck, like they don't even do that because like when you're actually managing hundreds of million dollars again, that strategy might change. And so like yeah, yeah. More, it, they're more risk adverse than people think. And, the so people who yeah, are doing it are
1: risk averse. Yeah, market conditions change. That's the other part, part is is like, you have to be ready to do this for years yeah. um, because the market conditions are going to change. And, and um, trading favors people who are able to stick around for a long time. And I mean, me, I've been doing this for, you know, I started trading in 2008, maybe. So I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years now and I'm still learning. 10 years later, I'm still learning Still refining my strategies. I'm a much better trader than I was back then, um, but I'm still getting better. Like, like you, it's one of those areas where you're you're never you're never truly at the top of your game, right? You know. Um,
2: I think that is the fitness industry, bro. I was going to say
0: <laughs> substitute the word trader for the word trainer. I mean, yeah, sounds similar. Actually, like, but like that's what I mean. Like a lot of we,
2: I don't want to say be bitch, but like we talk about a lot of young trainers and like coming in and out and stuff and like you just have to be ready to be in it for the long haul because it's not as successful as people think but it can be yeah you can't automatically think you're gonna be rich
1: (laughs) yeah no I mean there's definitely potential there but but it's it's a really hard road you know and 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 even when you look at the successful people in the industry you know I I like to think of Brett Contreras he's been massively successful but, but a lot of people don't know how long it took him to get to where he's at and the things he went through to get to where he's at. Like it was just like um
0: he talked on the podcast about how when they moved to California and he was setting up glute lab, some of the delays with permits and the headaches that they dealt with. And you know he was down like his last like five grand or something and he was really worried because he promised these trainers he'd hire them, he was paying them he's being honorable about it. And so then he turned around and well shit, I better go and figure out some way to, you know, make some capital. So he started doing some offering online coaching platform stuff, and that really blew up. Yeah. But, you know, and you look at a guy like Brett, and guess what? You know, he's, he sells gym equipment. His Blue Lab book is sensational. You know, he's got a, a really healthy online training business now. And then the Blue Lab physical place, plus his, his, his traveling and speaking stuff. He's, he's doing really well, probably better than most the industry. But even he hit a point where, you know, he got, you know, pretty scared with his position. So this stuff could happen to people. Uh, you know, Lane Norton is pretty public about some of the, Ups and downs that he's experienced I, I, I'm pretty sure I, he said this publicly, so I'm not giving away anything but when they released the what, uh, it was his contest prep book, I think because of some of the the legal stuff that he'd been dealing with over some of his past business ventures, I think he was down pretty low in terms of his resources and he released this and it gave him the infusion he needed to to be able to keep going and I mean he's obviously one of the guys who's most successful in our world so yeah I don't these guys at least are being pretty honest and transparent through various different media about the ups and downs they've had. Uh we, we talked with this about this with Jill Coleman just on the last episode. And you know, but the influencers, people renting, you know, cars, yeah, Gucci and bags. bags, Gucci bags, just to be seen in photos with this stuff. There's a lot of people quote lying to you about how well they're doing. Yeah. So I, I think being really discerning about the, the people that you're following and the people that you're trying to emulate or also and here's a big thing for me is we talked about this we've talked about this lots you don't know, other people's highlight reel and then becoming really dissatisfied with where you are and you know dealing with anxiety or feeling depressed because you feel like you're not doing well enough well, a lot of the stuff that you're seeing isn't the truth either so i'd say focus inward work hard on it um, i guess we can circle back to the financial literacy stuff i think it's worth developing an education and i think It's worth probably reading uh, Ramit Sethi's book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, I believe is the exact uh, title. And that's a great basic financial literacy book. And I know it's really popular with the fitness industry. So if this is something that's an interest of anyone listening, I'd say probably go pick up that book. Yeah, and
2: Uh, be on the lookout
0: for your new project, yeah, and then see. Yeah, say so shit, shit about. <laughs> but there's money. <laughs> and, if you, and if you don't yet know who Chad Landers is, Chad's been on our podcast before. He's a friend. I was just texting him yesterday. Um, he had, was supposed to appear at a conference uh, down in Dallas, but I guess that didn't get enough attendance and that got blown up, so it never happened. I actually sat down with John Goodman in Toronto a couple of days ago, and he told me the same sort of thing. He was another scheduled speaker, so I was like, "Whoa, holy shit!" I couldn't believe that happened. But That's another story. Uh, but it seems we are mentioning books you got anything that you 've read in the last little while that 's pretty good that you 'd suggest uh, or even a financial literacy book
1: what 's funny is i 've been so wrapped up in just in my business and stuff i really haven 't been reading much like you know the the, the last book I, I i did read uh some of james fell 's book um you know that yeah. um you know of what I read, it's pretty good. I, I, I didn't finish it because, like I said, I've just gotten too – I've been so focused. You know, it seems like all my reading is reading research studies. And all that stuff like, <laughs> um, so leisure reading isn't isn't something I'm able to do very often right now. So, uh, well, you
0: know what? Let's just go with James' book because we had him on to talk about that book, and, and I read it. And, uh, James can be a very polarizing figure with some people, but I really enjoy James the person, especially when you sit down and talk to him versus kind of the bombast on social media. The book is great. You know, the whole idea of uh, you know, this, this powerful moment that you can kind of, sort of an evidence-based way to get yourself to that point where you can have this powerful shift in your mindset. I like to grab onto this part about it, is trying to align your, your actions now with an aspirational identity, a, a future version of yourself that you want to be. Um, and I, I've used this example before because I, I coach a, a number of police applicants And I tend to find they fall into one of two camps. The ones that are already behaving very much lifestyle, activity, nutrition, like the way they would envision a police officer. And I find those ones always crush the physicals. They never have a problem. And there's a second cluster that, uh, almost invariably, they tend to be on average a bit older. Uh, They tend to be carrying more body fat and they're not as entrenched in their nutritional or physical activity. And it's a dream. They want to be police officers, but their actions now and for the last however long, aren't in alignment with how they envision being a police officer, so they're not yet doing the things they need to pass the police physical, which is one of the first stages. Now, I can't really help much with the other aspects, your disclosure. If it turns out that, you know, you were dealing drugs three years ago, guess what? They're going to defer you. You're not going to get in, but... Or you d- drove with alcohol in your system, like, you know, in the last couple of years, they don't like someone. that. You killed someone. Yeah, you killed someone. They're going to disqualify you. do yeah. that. But you could at least start with all those behaviors and this is true of any fitness person we deal with not just people who are trying to get into police or law enforcement this is everybody if you can tap into someone's vision of their aspirational identity the way they see themselves and then get them to act the way that they think that person would act then you can shift that identity to something that they're act they, they've become now and then the actions take care of getting them there
2: this yeah. is why we have Andrew on so if you like haven't read a book and you kind of just, he can tell you about the book. And so you, you're off the hook
0: for not reading this <laughs> <laughs> here. You know what? I, we haven't mentioned this yet on the podcast, but this is actually kind of funny. So there's this recent blow up and, and antagonism negativity towards audiobooks. And obviously I'm a big proponent of it. And there's a couple of social media posts. Uh, one of our former guests, and he's a really great guy, but he was actually complaining about the semantics of people saying they read an audiobook. And then, of course, what happens is, and then, uh, so Dean Summers said I should put up a, a very good post saying that reading retention was better with physical books than with audio. And Dean sort of just left it there. And Dean's intentions were fine. He wasn't trying to demean audio. He just he was citing yeah. some research-based stuff. But then a few people, <laughs> two more of our former guests, both guys and some other people, and it became an opportunity to, to speak negatively of audiobooks. And, and claim that you know people who are quote bragging about how many audiobooks they've they've listened to or quote read, um, how that's just sort of uh, virtue signaling was one of the things that was said. And I came back with, and I usually don't engage in these sort of arguments, but I, I put a lot of thoughts together and I treat audiobooks as additive. So you just said that you don't have time to sit down and read books, right? Mm-hmm. You are doing all your trading, you're doing your research, weightology, all the stuff that really matters. So I do audiobooks in two places. One while I'm cooking, and two while I'm driving, right? Yeah. It's a half an hour drive for me to drive here to Dean, and then I got another half an hour to get down to the gym. So Dean's up on the north side, my stuff's on the south. So I've got an hour of opportunity to listen to music or an audiobook. Yeah. Now I'm pretty good with retention on audiobooks, and a lot of people are. Lately I got into the Harry Potters. Fiction, you're better yeah. than nonfiction. But that's better than not doing it, right? Especially it. if it's something you're really engaged it's in the in subject. You got lot Then you can you can pull a lot from it. So it's additive. And the other point I made is I'm reserving the limited amount of time I have to consume training knowledge for things like Brett Contreras's loot Lab Book, which is unbelievable because I can't consume that on audio. There's too many pictures. It doesn't. It's not even on audio yet. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to sit down and read. Yeah, but that goes back to this whole bullshit. <laughs> The very beginning
2: of our arguments is like, I bet you've said that, and there's still people in that. It's like, oh, it's a reasonable
0: argument. They're like, yeah, fuck you, Andrew. Oh, you're stupid. <laughs> but and pulled, like,
2: audiobooks are dumb. <laughs>
0: but I put my thoughts in there. I was polite. I was thoughtful. I hit all the points, and then I dropped out of the argument. I, I, but I didn't continue that, all that. that. That's called posting and ghosting. That's a great <laughs> <passage. laughs> tactic. I believe in this stupid because I don't agree with people just. Being negative about this stuff without highlighting where this actually works. Because I think it can be a great way to add education, quality, interest, or even just entertainment in the form of fiction you enjoy. Because we've often talked here about not just endlessly consuming books for the sake of consuming. Uh, In fact, that's been a big recent topic. Why not shift your consumption to a, a vehicle? where you otherwise couldn't do something else. lisping while driving, for example. Yeah. And then free up some time to write your research. Are you deal. getting mad at James about reading? No. I'm actually saying he's doing it right. <laughs> you just giving him a lecture. No, he's doing it right. And I'm not talking at James, I'm talking at the listener. So, <laughs> I, I believe
1: this. What's your excuse, James? <laughs> but, 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 That's your kids. Well, but 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 see, you know you know, the thing is is I don't have to read now because you know how you have cliff's notes for books yeah right i just got the coates notes <laughs> so there you go you could you got a new business there for you andrew you can
2: have i honestly so like i honestly don't like that i'm not disagreeing with that i said multiple times like he should like he can do this without thinking so like that's the whole idea but it's not actually work for him like i don't read that many books i don't think i do but i think like, i'm kind of like you if i'm busy like i just don't have time but like it is like that's a good skill to have cause, Honestly, in this society, that whole late ground, of, no one actually wants to read because it's hard work, and people don't like hard work. So just give them what they want, which is like the service <laughs> level bullshit, the quick fix, like well, you make
0: money. There's actually a friend of mine who's going to start doing that uh, once in a while. And we'll reveal that when she gets on yeah. it. Right? She, it exists in the form of what? Men, she mentor took your You should do it. No, nah, I'm not yeah. interested in doing it, right? Uh, mentor box. There's various other services that offer this, the, the Coles Notes thing. So, As long as you're getting the basic idea. This is our quarterly, this is our quarterly, Audible.
2: Um, affiliate chat. All right, let, let's let everybody know. Yeah, where, where do they find? Okay, where, like, so you got all this stuff on the go. Where is the best place to find James now? I'm sure it's the same place, but let
1: everyone know. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, uh is my site, and um, I've got all my stuff on there. I've got uh, you know a bunch of articles. I've got uh, my research reviews on there, um, uh, online coaching, you know, uh, stuff like that. So when should um, they l- look to for? for-
2: what? When should they look for the new project with you and Chad where, well, just in anyone wants to kind of get on.
1: Yeah, we're not, I don't know where we're going to like sh- show that. Um, I, I would anticipate early next year sometime is when uh, it will be ready. I mean, we're, we're still just, uh, you know, Chad, we're kind of working on it on the side right now. Cause you know, I, I, you know, like I said, I just got done with a major revamp to my research review and Chad's been really involved with his uh, mentorship thing. Yeah. That he's doing, so, Yep. So this has been kind of been put off to the side a little bit. I mean, we're working on it, but it's just it's going to take some time to get it done. But so I can
0: see you guys probably having some tidbits at least to drop in, uh, in if EC and it, well, actually, uh, Tim's moved it to May now, right? What was that?
1: May. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. In May.
0: it's in May. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Inland Empire Fitness Conference, which obviously is a great event if anybody's looking for something at that time of year. Uh, James, thanks for taking the time to come back and talk to us. We really appreciate it. It's always good. It's kind of funny, like, the, we can see him on video. You guys can't, but, like, the background, is, it's poorly lit, so it's just right now, it's look, it's, it's really just kind of this <laughs> like, illuminated silhouette of James' face, like, and it looks like something out of a horror movie. That was a joke. Thing.
1: So I'm in front of a window. I'm in front of a window, and the sun's coming through the window, but I have the blinds. So you can see the shadows of the blinds on my face right now. Yeah. It's the like, yeah.
2: stereotypical like nerdy stock trader who's yeah. in the dark. You know, that's what I made the joke of, like a coder type guy. It's actually totally some like Hannibal Lecter
0: type shit, right? So <laughs> maybe we'll turn that into a graphic. We'll need an idea. So. <laughs> Good. Jeez. Right, I think that's a winner. Okay, buddy. Uh, we'll be dropping this one in a couple of weeks from recording time, guys. Everyone listening. Uh, I hope you love this. I hope you go back and check out uh, our old episodes with James and the one where we had you and Brad Dieter on at the same time. Oh, yeah. And uh, go check out what he's doing. If you're you kind of more of a recent listener, newer listener, and you don't yet follow James, please go ahead. You know, James is a good friend and, and someone I really think is doing great work in the industry and is probably really notoriously terrible at promoting himself in terms of not promoting yourself, but in standing up and waving yourself around and saying, hey guys, like I do some really amazing stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, working, I'm working on I'm actually working with, with Tara Arndt now on my awesome. uh, on email list and stuff, so so I'm, I'm working on that, because that's another, yeah, that's one area I, I need you know, a lot of improvement on. So.
0: Well, I think we all do. Actually, let's shout out Tara. So Tara Arndt, uh, she's an email marketing expert, She uh, happens to be the wife of Tim Arndt, the host of the Inland Empire Fitness Conference, uh, which we've been talking a little bit about and you know, i'm guilty of not embracing that stuff myself but if you're someone who's in a space right now where you really want to jump on and learn about email marketing uh god i almost hate the word funnels but you know like you kind of get into that world then you should probably go follow or get on tara's emailing list and it's a really great way to get some great free education in it but also look at the possibility of hiring her for her services uh if you can see that having email list is going to be a really important part of you know, your brand going forward, I think everybody should have one. We shall be working on it. I've been guilty of not really embracing mine, but uh, if it's something you're interested in, go check it out. So Tara aren't. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Go okay. and uh, make some money today.
1: Yeah. I already
0: made a thousand bucks.
1: <laughs> well, I'm actually up. I'm up. What? Uh, okay. Let's see. I'm up on one trade about. I don't know. Looks like around six hundred bucks on the trade right now. So he's been making
0: money while on air with us, right? So yeah. probably doesn't even take too much, uh, you know, effort out of your day to come and talk to us.
1: Yeah, guys, thanks. it's so much fun being on with you guys. So yeah, thanks for always much. welcome.
0: Thanks, Please,
1: buddy. Shut up and sit down. <laughs>